live from Austin, Texas, the music capital of the world, this is the Cap Mac Podcast for May 2016. This month, join Tommy Craig, John Purvis, and Jim Wynn as they explore Apple's lackluster second quarter financial results and what may lie ahead or behind the tech giant as they move forward into a new year. All this and more coming up this month on the Cap Mac Podcast. Stay tuned. Once again, we're recording this in our makeshift studios in the back room of Denny's Capital, just before a board meeting. Let's dive in. Last week was the ultimate meltdown for Apple as they announced their quarterly results, and they didn't do so good. And ever since then, people have been saying that Apple is in distress, Apple has lost their way, Tim Cook should leave. Guys, what do you think? I think Apple's you know, naysayers were the, same, were, the, were the usual suspects, you know, squawking about, you know, Apple, you know, uh, saying you know, that it's dying, you know, didn't hear anything new. Yeah, Apple did have a bad quarter, but their bad quarter was, you know, one that uh, you know most companies would die for. I think it's important to the numbers were down this quarter, but that's compared to a year ago quarter. And what's really important to remember is that a year ago quarter, um, Apple had a 40% increase in iPhone sales. That's a rate that is not sustainable for pretty much of anything. And so even though it was down, um, actual um, iPhone sales rates, that there was an increase of the 6S over what the 5S had done. So yeah, on the surface it looks like they had a drop in sales, but uh, if you take out the really spectacular quarter a year ago, it really wasn't nearly as bad as it seems. Okay, I'm going to be devil's advocate here for a second. The sales model for iPhone has changed. We used to be able to buy those things and have them subsidized by the carrier. That's no longer the case right now. You have to buy into some sort of an upgrade plan, or you have to, to buy the phone outright unsubsidized, or you have to buy into some sort of an installment plan, but the carriers aren't really doing that. Is the way we buy iPhones changing and is Apple buying into that? Is Apple taking advantage of that? Or are they missing the boat on that? Anybody? I don't think Apple's missing the boat. Um, you know, Apple started their upgrade program. Um, I forget what you call it exactly, but where you pay a, you know, a monthly fee and can always get a new phone. So they're actually kind of taking over what some of the carriers had done. Um, and one of the nice things about that program is that you get Apple Care included in that cost. So although it sounds expensive when you figure in that you're saving $99 for Apple Care, it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, I think, you know, even though um, I just believe that iPhone, the smartphone market is starting to get to the point where it may not be saturated, but enough people have smartphones now that there's going to be some changes in 
just the 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 ecosystem and so all companies are going to have to adapt to that uh over time and apple is finding its way through that right now i think what about international markets uh china is down uh there are going to be problems in india getting sales there the government's being a little wishy-washy as to whether india is going to be uh able to sell iphones at all because there's not enough local component involved in the phones um John, do you have any thoughts about the, the international markets, the international implication of, of, of sales or the international appeal of iPhone? Do you think it's strong overseas? Well, certainly based upon what we've seen, there has been a strong interest in the iPhone from the day it was introduced. So it's going to continue to behave strongly there, a factor that I'm not sure has been out long enough or been been sufficiently uh, looked at is the impact of the SE. The SE is the low-cost leader as far as Apple concerned, allowing a $400 phone to compete against a lot of the Android devices that are sometimes cheaper but at least be in the ballpark. Uh, I did read in an article just today that indicated that Apple has increased their orders of components for the SE because the SE's orders have surpassed what they had expected. Now, whether that's coming from just international or from everywhere, I don't know. But I think the SE is the product that could lead Apple into a lot of those markets, China and India in particular, where they perhaps have not done as well before because the cost of entry has been so high. I think, uh, you know, along that same note, speaking of India, uh, Tim Cook made a very interesting point on his, uh, his talk with uh, Jim Cramer. He was uh, uh, portraying India as being basically in the position that China was in, you know, 10 years ago. So I think that you know he's you know he's definitely seeing the, you know the potential in the, in the market in India, and that's going to be you know a, a, an immense market that's going to you know, dwarf you know the American European you know you know and you know, the markets that we're familiar with. I think the uh, you know the potential in Asia is just immense. One of the things that we're ignoring though is the cost of money, um, the international markets, stock markets, money markets. Everything has been really volatile, and Apple takes a lot of heat for having so much of their cash offshore. And recently, they've been having some problems with international markets because of exchange rates and have had to raise prices several times uh, in some of those markets, and that's going to hurt sales. Tommy? Yeah, one of the things I pointed out in their earnings call is that I think instead of if the dollar hadn't gained so much against foreign currencies, uh, their losses would actually have been like 9% as opposed to 13%, uh, just based on the value of the dollar. So uh, that's, that's just a growing thing that's happening worldwide. And, you know, I think that's going to affect all companies. So uh, Apple's big, so it shows up really big for Apple. But it's going to, going to affect all companies, I think. The mix of products, too, seem to be really interesting in the call. Services, with the very first time that they've ever mentioned services, 
uh, and broken out the earnings for that. How do you guys feel that Apple is positioned for the future as far as the mix of products, timelines of products, product pipelines? Do you think Apple is uh, in decline or do you think that Apple is uh, sustainable at this point? I think Apple is very, very smart in how they you know, look to the future and they realize that you know, the, the, the market, yes, is going to be volatile and different lines are going to do, uh, you, know, different, do you know, some line you know, is going to do better you know, than, than another line one quarter. Uh, there was a very interesting item I saw today that uh, at the Macintosh market share against Windows has climbed considerably. Uh, you know the the Macintosh market shares over nine, I think 9.2 percent now, which is a, it's a, uh, an historic high for them. So that's something that you know, do, you know, with all the the excitement about the phones and the tablets and the watches and all, you know, Macintosh is still a uh, very strong part of the the product mix. And I think one of the things in that same article was the fact that in the United States that Macintosh was over 13%, that 9.2 was worldwide, it's over 13% in the U.S. And for the very first time, Windows is in serious decline, sequential decline. So uh, that's a significant. Yes, it is. And um, also, you know, Apple has been doing a lot of incremental upgrades to products. Um, but they have increased their amount of, of R&D spending dramatically. And Tim Cook keeps saying, and I tend to believe him, that there are lots of really new products uh, in the pipeline. And I really feel strongly that within the next year or so, we're going to see some whole new product ideas from Apple. Um, you know, you can't just sell iPhones and, and Macs, you know, there's got to be um, new blood and of course the watch was part of that. But I think one of the really big upcoming things, my, my guesstimate is that uh, healthcare related things are going to become a very, very large part of Apple's uh, ecosystem uh, with their, uh, you know, um, research kit and healthcare app and all a kit that's um that's really i think the direction they're going into so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a lot of new uh, hardware devices uh, to supplement those those uh, software things uh, the next apple watch whenever it comes out i think will probably have a lot more sensors and a lot more things to give you feedback about your health and how to how to stay healthy than the current one and I think that's the wave of the future. John in your professional life you've watched a lot of products come out and go away. Uh, do you have any feel for how Apple is obeying or bucking the trend? Well one of the things about Apple is that they've never been the le on the leading edge of products. They've always sat back, looked at what others have first introduced, and then come out with a different version that seems to dominate the market. Certainly that has been the case with the iPhone. It's been the case with the watch, even though they say it's a failed product. 
they own more than 50% of the wearables market. And I saw an article just the other day that uh, Apple had uh, earned a mere one and a half billion more than uh, Rolex had in their watch line. So it's not a failed product. Uh, people have to look at what Apple is coming out with. Apple has to analyze the market and see where they can innovate and bring a product that is different and is more easily usable by the consumer to market before they bring one out. I mean, everybody, there were a dozen watches before the Apple Watch. And Apple's version of the watch is one that has a unique interface and that has been successful in spite of all the adverse publicity it's had. As Mar Apple looks at potential markets, who knows where they're going to go? May they compete with Nest? Possibly. Are they gonna come out with a car? Maybe. It's very difficult to say. One of the problems that we see, and we talked about the financial failure, if you want to call it that, of Apple this quarter, the analysts want to keep looking at a company that makes or increases profit quarter to quarter. That isn't always practical, yet we have an enormous success with the products that Apple has. Uh, it may not be successful the product that the analysts want in the stock market but at the same time apple as uh, tommy said has increased their market share of the mac they've certainly done been successful with the apple watch the se has achieved better than predicted sales it's something you know apple is doing the right things it's just that I think many people in the press and in the financial markets want to pick at it since it's on the top. And it makes itself a big target. Well, when you get to that, though, uh, if you look at Google, if you look at Facebook, they're all advertising-driven. They're user-data-driven. And every single analyst that I've read lately has been pointing out the fact that ad dollars are becoming constrained they're growing they're not growing at the same kind of rate um, they're running into the same kind of headwinds that Apple is running into you know it, it it is probably not far in the future that Google and uh, Facebook are running into the same kind of problems and those ad dollars are going to be harder to 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 produce well following up with what you said Michaels Apple announced some time ago they were getting out of the ad business they don't see that as a viable market now what you were saying at the beginning about services may be the area that they may find is a new potential growth market particularly with apple pay and it's a bit the ability to uh, use it and to promote it and to make a profit off of it um, we still keep seeing one uh, announcement of a uh, leak after another of, of different databases. As long as Apple can prove that Apple Pay is secure, they're going to be able to take that product and technology and promote it, and it's going to expand. 
and certainly based upon what we've seen with Brian Romelli's presentation in March, payment is going to be significant, and there's been quite a bit of, of information in the press along those lines. So this is another of those technologies that Apple has simmering here to see where it goes. It could be the driving force of Apple over the next 10 years, as could the wearables. It's just very difficult to say at this point. You know, I, they pointed out in the earnings call that Apple Pay has increased the, the use of number of transactions has increased fivefold within a year. Uh, that's significant. And you talked about services earlier. Apple has now over a billion devices that are be in use, and all of those products need apps, and people buy music, and uh, Apple Music, and own and own and own. So all of those things are going to keep um, driving revenue even after their initial uh, sale. And I've seen projections that within the next uh, five years, Apple will go over two billion devices in use. Uh, that's a lot of lot of uh, services to sell. So tell me what I'm hearing you say is that the the ecosystem is alive and well. Yes, Jim, what do you what do you think of that? Well, I think uh, uh, another uh, you know, very uh, you know telling example of that uh, was uh, you know, delineated in the uh, article that was in the Sunday American Statesman about uh, what Apple's doing here in Austin. That Apple's real growth has been, you know, tremendous. It's been kind of you know, maybe a little, you know, under the radar. They've been quiet about it, but uh, they've been building a bunch of buildings and uh, filling them up with people. I think the uh, one thing that was in the article saying that Apple is on track to uh, become the second largest private employer in Austin, not far behind Dell. And what, what Apple's business here is a very basic business. Uh, it is the operations center for the Americas. So that means that uh, that's going to be a very stable business because it's the, the, the part of the business that handles you know, HR and finance and customer support. And those are you know, basic, basic parts of the overall company's business. Uh, that are going to be you know, very, very important uh, on an ongoing basis. Apple has spent a tremendous amount of investments in renewable energy and uh, that sort of thing. All of those things over time are going to save Apple tons of money. It's getting to the point where Apple will never owe an electric bill. Um, other companies aren't doing that. That will save them a lot of money and in, increase their, their profit margins. All right, let's take this to a personal level. Uh, say that Apple is going to come out with a new watch, a new phone, and a new something else. Which of you folks are going to be buying a new something else this year? Uh, I really haven't bought a you know, new phone since 2012. So this year will probably be, you know, the time for me to buy a phone. Uh, you know, not, you know, and you know, the next generation watch, you know, may, may well be worth, you know, very, very close look. You know, Apple is maybe on a, on a path of, of, of maturity rather than just, uh, you know, unbridled growth. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that, that uh, Apple coming out with 
uh, you know, products that people want, you know, want to make, uh, have a long-term relationship with. You don't hear much about people, uh, you know, uh, dumping their iPhone for an Android or dumping their uh, iPad, you know, for a, a, you know, a Samsung, you know, tablet or something like, or even a you know, Surface. You know, the, the switch is, is, is going, is, well, I think, continues to and will on a long-term basis continue to go toward Apple, not away from Apple. Uh, yeah, Tim Cook said that the last quarter they, Apple had seen the largest number of Android switchers switching to Apple that they had ever seen in a quarter. So uh, that's good news. Uh, as far as personally buying new stuff, I just got a uh, 6S in uh, September. So generally I upgrade every other year. So, but it just depends on uh, what the iPhone 7 is, uh, what features it has. And I'm really excited about the Apple Watch 2. Uh, I'm still not sure when that's gonna come out. I'm kind of hoping Apple does like a two years uh, refresh cycle on that instead of every year. But I suspect by the time it's released, I'll really uh, wanna upgrade that also. Well, all of these products that Apple has right now are mature, are maturing, so to speak. The Apple Watch is new, but it's based on a lot of history of other products. So are everyone going to run out and buy the latest and greatest? I don't think so. And that, to a great extent, I think, is part of the impact of why sales are slowing down. The retention period for devices before rep replacing them is extending. People are spending five, six, seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars on a phone. You're not going to replace it every year. You're going to wait until it's compelling to get a new device or your old device has a battery that's failing or some other part of it is broken that you need to replace. The same is true with the watch and the iPad. I had an iPad 1. I didn't replace it until an iPad Air 2 came out because I didn't need to. I think that is something that people are doing in a more widespread way is they're hanging on to their products for longer. Apple builds them to last. So they use them until they can't use them anymore. And that's going to draw out that replacement cycle. Am I gonna buy a new watch or phone or iPad or Mac this year? I doubt it. I've got all of those that work now and do everything I need to do. A year or two years from now, yes. And I think that's going to be the case with many that they are holding on to their Apple products, they work well for them, and they'll replace them when the current version fails eventually, or some compelling new component in the new product makes them want to buy the new device. We're coming up on WWDC in a couple of months, and they're going to be maybe about 4,000 developers sitting in San Francisco looking at what Apple is going to have as the new iOS and the new Mac OS or OS 10 or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, do you think that the OS uh, features that it might bring to new hardware would be a compelling reason to upgrade? The you know, reason that uh, you know, Worldwide Developers Conference is, is always important that the developers will get to see you know, what Apple is thinking and what they have in store and uh, 
give the developers you know ideas about what to go with in the future. So the, you know that's the reason that the the you know the gathering is always extremely important, even though you know going in you know nobody seems to have you know much idea of uh, you know what uh, what they'll be talking about. Apple's you know once again proven to be very very good at keeping their secrets, but uh, you know I'm sure that they'll have something to show. You know, next month there will be you know, something that uh, nobody had even seen coming. Well, you know, I I think WWDC serves a lot of purposes. First of all, obviously it it gives developers a chance to learn from Apple. Uh, it gives Apple a chance to learn from developers up close and personal. Um, but it also is kind of a a pep rally for developers I think also it's a way for Apple to inspire developers to uh, get out and support their products and and do new and innovative things um, you know I have no clue what Apple will do uh, with the new software except as I said earlier I think we're going to see a lot more uh, advances in the health uh, care part of their uh, ecosystem um, but whatever it will be will inspire and uh, develop loyalty among developers and uh, lead and hopefully you know I don't I don't know how many more features you can actually add to the Mac or to iOS God they do more than I ever would have thought they uh, would already so um, I guess what I'm really hoping is that sure we might see a few new things but what we really would like to see, I think, more than anything, is more stability and security and that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, certainly, I think, as we look ahead to WWDC, I don't expect to see any announcements that are going to be astonishing. I think we're going to see a lot of iterative, uh, incremental advancements across the board in iOS and OS X and watchOS and tvOS. Um, and I, that's the kind of thing I would expect now at this point. Um, I've heard some rumors about Siri being an OS X that may or may not be useful. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't think of anything that I am just dying to have as a feature in any of those operating systems that uh, will be coming out or put, could potentially come out this year. But I think everything will be moving forward, increasing, as Tommy said, the security and the reliability and probably the performance of the various products, uh, tuning them to the hardware platforms and, in, and just making them work better. I'm going to switch channels here and talk about Slack for a moment. John, we're going on three months and uh, I believe we have 30 people or so. Something like that. John's checking. He's checking the actual numbers. He's logging into Slack, ladies and gentlemen. 41. We have 41 CapMac members on Slack. Talk to me about Slack. I am absolutely blown away by the versatility and the ability to, to do this. Um, what are your impressions after the first three months? 
Well, I started slowly with a different team, but um, I have found it to be an extremely useful tool to share information. Uh, I, looking at it, I think I and Michael and Nathan Lott are probably the most uh, ones that use it the most. I think all of us post on there a couple of times a day. I think if we had anywhere close to all of our members actually participating, it would be a very, very busy, ongoing uh, community. Now, for folks that haven't logged into Slack, how would you describe Slack? It's a collaborative environment. It's a communications means. What is Slack? Well, at the simplest level, it's like having the old forums or, or the old uh, chat rooms where you can communicate. Uh, the, uh, there are a variety of channels that are used to aggregate those uh, conversations on a particular topic. Uh, we have a photography channel, we have a genealogy channel, we have a security channel. Those are channels that users opt into. They're not automatically a member of those channels. The general channel is the one that everyone is in by default, and that's where the general communications are. Anybody that has a question about Apple has a comment, that's a good place to post it. And then carry on the conversation in more depth in one of the other channels as appropriate. You know, talking about Slack, one of the, the probably most underutilized channels is the deals channel. Uh, I don't recall who set that up, but as the name implies, it's where anyone that's participating posts an information about some deal they've heard. Uh, I posted something earlier this week that, uh, that you could get $100 off the Apple Watch. Uh, there are posts about getting iTunes cards, about apps being on sale, about a variety of things. And it's one of those channels that I think a lot of people would find of value, they just haven't found the channel yet. So that's one of the ones I would encourage everyone to join, even if they just want to keep a, an eye on things and aren't actively looking for a product. Um, well, in closing, I'd just like to invite everyone um, who may not be a current CapMac member uh, or, of course, for our own members to come to our general meetings. Uh, we will not be holding one in May, but generally we meet the second Tuesday of each month at Sherlock's Baker Street Pub at 9012 Research Boulevard here in Austin. And the meetings run from 7 to 9. Um, it's best to get there an hour or so early to enjoy some of the good food and drink at Sherlock's. And of course, there is always an inter interesting program and door prizes. So um, if you're not a current CapMac member, you're welcome and we would love to have you come see, see what kind of things we offer. And to follow up with what Tommy said earlier, about coming to the meetings yes they start at seven but many of us get there as early as five o'clock so we can as tommy said have dinner but also simply have an opportunity to mix say hello meet new people and find others and friends who are in the apple 
community. Uh, that's a real part of this that I think is significant. It's not just the technical programs, but the friendships that are being made and established through CAPMAC. So if you're in the Austin area, come out, say hello, and sit with us and, and learn about uh, what we do. Thanks for joining us this month on the CapMac Podcast. If you're a member of CapMac, thanks for supporting us. And if you're not yet a member, we hope you'll join us at one of our meetings, one of our SIGs, or on our website at www.capmac.org. We're one of the oldest and largest Apple users groups in the world, and we'd sure like to have you as a member. If you have ideas or suggestions for CapMac, please send them to feedback at capmac.org. This is a presentation of the Capital Macintosh Users Group in Austin, Texas, and we'll see you next month.